This is the Social Strategy Podcast, episode number 12. Welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast, where it's all about making the most of your business with smart tips on what's working now in social media, online business, and good old-fashioned networking. And now your host, who's also known as Ross PR on Twitter, Vernon Ross. Hey guys, this is Vernon Ross, and welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast, bringing you the best in online business, social media strategy, and good old-fashioned networking. So on today's show, we have a very special guest, Joseph Michael, and he is EfficientLifeSkills.com. Very interesting site. He has a great story. How would you like to teach a six-year-old to tie their shoes in five minutes? Well, that's the post that was responsible in driving over 300,000 visitors to his website. YouTube video, he now on a regular basis is getting over 10,000 visits a day. Really impressive story. So I'm not going to delay too much. I want to get right into the episode and I will see you guys on the back end. Hey guys, this is Vernon Ross and welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast. So today we've got a great guest on and he's local. Unfortunately, we weren't able to meet in person. It happens. Couldn't really find a suitable place, but uh, I'm really excited to uh, bring you guys Joseph Michael. Joseph, what's going on? Hey Vernon, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. No, no, no. First first things um, first, congratulations. Oh, thank you. Hey, appreciate it. <laughs> so you guys may not know what we're talking about, but if you go out to efficientlifeskills.com, you will find that there is a birth announcement, not well, uh, a gender announcement. So <laughs> I didn't I didn't see on the uh, on your blog whether or not you had gone back and actually it's like, hey, we're pregnant. But I did see the the video and I'm not going to reveal it here. You guys actually got to go out to the to the blog and check out his blog and watch the video. It's only a couple minutes long, but you, you got to watch the video because it's, it's too good for me to ruin it here and do the reveal. But I did want to say congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, we kind of let the uh, suspense build up in the video, so don't want to spoil it. No, it was an awesome video, and I, I love that song. How can you not like that song, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just making you guys even more curious. I'm not going to tell you the song, and I'm definitely not going to tell you the gender. So you got to go out to efficientlifeskills.com and check it out. Awesome. So when I asked you on the podcast, we actually, I believe we connected on Instagram first, right? We did, yeah. I noticed you were local, and then we were kind of in the same area, so it's always nice to you know know some fellow entrepreneurs that are local. Right, that is crazy. So, you know, when I was, um, I didn't realize that until we actually met in person at FinCon. We just kind of ran into each other, right? Yep, exactly. I, di- I didn't actually realize it either until I saw you, and I said, "Hey, you know what? I've seen that guy before." And then, sure enough, <laughs> hey, my Instagram feed. So, exactly. that's pretty cool. How funny. So. Now that we've, you know, kind of gotten all that stuff out of the way, tell us a little bit about you and, you know, what you do. Give us a little bit about your your background. Okay, well, um, I kind of consider myself a serial entrepreneur. I haven't always been able to live the entrepreneurial lifestyle as much as I would have liked. But I've always had that bug, you know, that itch, that entrepreneurial bug that kind of bit me early in life. Um, You know, I kind of... I attribute it mostly to my father kind of raising me and he's always out there trying and instilling that spirit in me. I've always, I've grown up listening to, you know, Tony Robbins and Zig Ziglar and John Maxwell, all these great, you know, minds and, um, great speeches and things like that. So I had it early on, um, it was a little harder when I, you know, entered the real work world and the real, you know, got the family life and the responsibilities and all that. It's a little harder to pursue your dreams and try things than I first imagined. Um, but went through some ups and downs, you know, in business. And it wasn't until recently, um, probably, I, yeah, I guess it's coming on two years now. I got into the whole online space. Um, it was really just kind of out of desperation. You know, my day job wasn't going good. I kind of lost the lost the fire there. I mean, I was lucky to have a job, I guess, in this economy. That's what everybody's saying now. But you know, I always I always wanted to be my own boss, to do my own thing, to inspire other people, to make a difference with my work. Um, and it was it was really one day I was just driving home, you know, after a long day at work and brainstorming and I was you know, what in the world can I do? I didn't want to like spend another night away from my family working some odd job, you know, and uh, I just kind of 
I get in the habit of I try to you know use use my drive time really for just as kind of one of my one of my little tips here is it's amazing how many good ideas can come to you when you're driving. Right. <laughs> and just you turn out all distractions, you turn off everything, you know, and just let your mind kind of think. And so I, you know, I'd always been good with tech kind of stuff. And I thought, you know, let me go and just kind of start researching what's online these days. As far as I knew, it was always just like shady type stuff. You know, that's that's <laughs> kind of what you hear about the most, unfortunately, because, you know, those is kind of what people talk about. But right. Make a 90, make, make a thousand dollars in 90 minutes. Right. Yeah. You know, red flag banners everywhere, you know, that kind of thing. So <laughs> anyway, I ended up stumbled across um, uh Pat Flynn's site, smartpassiveincome.com. And I'd never seen anything like it before. I mean, I was I was blown away. And of course, I stumbled across his income reports. And I just could not believe this dude was making a killing online and helping people at the same time. So that was kind of my light bulb moment. And then from there, I spent every waking hour researching everything I could get my hands on as far as what you can do online, how to help people, inspire people, and like, you know, create a business from it. And um, to gain freedom, ultimately. So for the last year and a half, I've been plugging away at that. And I've been loving every second of it. Nice. So now when you um, when you first discovered Pat Flynn online, and mm-hmm. like a lot of us that discovered Pat Flynn online, and you saw his income report, uh, for, for you guys that don't know, go out to smartpassiveincome.com and take a look at his income reports. And with his redesign, he has it posted right at the top of the the page when you go in there it's a little unbelievable isn't it it is no i mean i was kind of like what you know at first of course i was skeptical and i was like oh here's another one of these things you know but looking through the details that he provides and you know i never heard of affiliate marketing like what you can actually recommend a product that you use and love and and you know get a commission from that and people are thanking you in the process and you know so i started to learn his whole whole strategy and of course been introduced to lots of other entrepreneurs along the way and there's a ton of different models out there and so kind of putting those together with your unique skills uh-huh. um is is what i really love because i've i've always been told i was kind of um that's how do I put that? I guess efficient, so to speak. Um, I always helped make processes more efficient. In fact, um, you know, I do a lot of training and things like that. I have a background in, you know, design and training. So it's like, okay, let's, how can we put all these together and help people? But yeah, Pat's income reports are pretty unbelievable. Right. No, no question about it. It's, it's inspiring to say the least. Well, cool. So what was your, what was your first thing? What was the first thing you did after you I mean, I'm sure you like you bought your domain name once you figured out the name for your site or how did how did that whole process go? You went from <laughs> light bulb moment right. to, to what? What did you do next? Well, the first thing I did was probably spend way too much time on a domain name. Um, <laughs> I sat and like had a you know two or three pieces of paper just full of possible names, and of course, every time I thought of a good one, oh yeah, it was taken, so <laughs> I ended up trying to think, all right what First of all, it was kind of brainstorming, what in the world do I want my site to be about? And I could have stayed there for months, um, but I remember thinking, it's too important to just get out there and get started. I knew I didn't know, yeah, you know, let alone everything I needed to do. I hardly knew anything. I was like, let me just take the first next step, and I kind of followed, you know, Pat Flynn's model of starting a WordPress site, and here's what you do. And so, yeah, I got my domain name, and ended up settling on efficient life skills because I was going to take everything that I had learned growing up, you know, all this uh, self-help, uh, efficiency, productivity, all this kind of stuff and put it together in a, in a site that I could uh, be passionate about and write about and bring ideas together. Um, so I just dove, dove head first. Um, didn't really know what I was doing, but I just wanted to get started, Start pu- started publishing a few articles and just kind of figuring out how this thing worked and, you know, Step by step is is the name of the game, really. Right. Because it's it's really easy to get overwhelmed in this space. So now, how do you how do you prevent yourself from getting overwhelmed? So when you when you first started, you didn't have a a background in doing any type of business online. You researched it. How how did you prevent yourself from getting wrapped up in like you said with the domain name? How did you know that? the thing for you to do was to get started because I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. I talk yeah. to, I talk to people all the time and it's like, well, I want to do this. I want to do that, but I don't really know whether or not that's going to work. And you know, what, how do I determine whether or not this is a good domain name? And then, you know, what do I do to make money from this? It's a good idea, but 
I don't know what to do. How did you prevent yourself from getting stuck in that? Well, that's, yeah, that's a great question because I hear that all the time too. And there's a couple things really. Um, the first one is I've always had this idea. I heard it early on. I don't really remember where I heard it from, but it, it just has always stuck with me. And it's to look at every new venture or every next step as just an experiment. Cause I don't, I, I always call myself kind of this recovering perfectionist too. Cause when I'm diving into something, I want it to be like perfect, but that can also cause like major delays for me. Cause I'll spend way too much time tinkering with a logo for instance. But instead of, instead of just kind of reframing that and to say, well, let's just start this and see what happens. It kind of takes this, it like instantly removes all this pressure off your shoulders. Cause you're like, well, this is just an experiment anyway. So let me just put this out there and let's just see what happens. Right. So I kind of did that with the site is like, just said, well, I don't, I don't know what's going on for real. Let me just put this out there and then I'll, you know, I'll start playing with it. And then early on, I, I did get overwhelmed. I, I'll be honest. Um, I got to the point after like a month or two, cause I was just consuming information from everywhere, you know? Um, and it was like, I didn't know where I had so much information I wanted to act on that I acted on none of it because I didn't know what direction to go in. <laughs> And I remember hearing the guys on um, Internet Business Mastery podcast, and they had this thing called the information diet to help with overwhelm. And that's exactly what I needed. It was like only learning and researching the things you need for that moment and, you know, blocking out everything else. So that made the biggest difference for me also was that, okay, what was my next step? Like, you know, I had, I had a, a domain. Now, what was my next step? I needed to find a theme. So it's like, you know, forget everything else and just let's focus on getting theme. And I would literally just go down a checklist of, you know, step-by-step -step things to learn about, you know, for like social media. I didn't even tackle that for like the first few months because I knew there was a whole nother thing I'd have to study and I didn't know anything about it. And it was like, let me just get my feet wet, <laughs> right? getting in the blogosphere, writing some blog posts. How do I insert images? All that kind of stuff. Nice. That's a uh, that's a different approach. I've um I've not heard anybody yet say, well, you know what? I didn't even touch social media for months. I just focused on my blog. Mm hmm. And you know, I started actually the way I started getting into social media was that, of course, I knew I had to put you know the sharing buttons and things like that on there, and I would start to see things shared. And so you know, looking at analytics, I wanted to see how this worked and you know where did this come from and this person shared it. Who are they? And you know. And that's how I kind of started learning about that whole thing. I mean, I, I, to this day, I still don't know how to code or anything like that. I mean, I've just kind of learned what I need to know um, for, the, for my next step. And, I, yeah, I'm still following that process today. Right. That's cool. So what was the first thing that you did online to actually create revenue for your site? Um, well, with efficient life skills, it was, it's kind of funny. It's, it's a funny story. I was following, following a lot of the people's examples with eBooks, right? So that was my first, you know, I had built up quite a bit of an audience and was like, okay, let's, let's put an eBook out there and I'll charge for it. It'll be my first kind of product. Mm -hmm. So once again, I spent way too long designing this, you know, really beautiful eBook, um, put it up there and, nobody was interested in this thing. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was my first uh, lesson on, you know, studying your audience and seeing who your audience is just because you like something doesn't mean your audience is, you know, when it comes to creating products and services, it's really not about you, you know, or us. It's, it's about who your audience is and what they want, you know, what are their needs and pains and wants and fears and desires, you know, and create something around that. So that was kind of, uh, it could be sort of a failure, but I actually look at it as one of my biggest early on lessons because it forced me to be like, okay, what's the deal? Like, you know, this ebook is great. Why is nobody interested in this? Right. Uh, I thought it was the price. So, you know, I pretty much dropped it down to zero and offered it as like a free opt-in and still nobody wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> so at that time I started to survey my audience, you know, see what, you know, what they were. And it, it was obvious that my audience was not interested in, um, you know, the topic of the ebook. And so that kind of led me on a whole nother discovery of developing products based on, um, you know, what the market, what your audience wants. And that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother strategy that really kind of got me to where I am today. And so, um, my main revenue source with efficient life skills is it's, it's a, well, a lot of my posts get a lot of traffic, mm -hmm. um, just because I think I've learned how to create shareable content, 
Um, I have a little kind of a formula that I've learned to do with images and I've had a lot of success on Pinterest, um, which is kind of crazy because I knew nothing about that going in except other than the fact that my wife used it for a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but early on I did, I did this, I'll tell this kind of this funny story that really kind of put my sight on the map was I, I had trouble teaching my daughter to tie her shoes. Right. She was six, six at the time. And, you know, I finally figured out this. I did some research online, found this little cool magic fingers technique, and I taught it to my daughter in five minutes. It was like I couldn't believe it because I spent months trying to teach her all these other, you know, bunny ears and all this kind of stuff. I was like, this is impossible to teach. I don't know if you've ever, you know, experienced that, yes, but it's I like you don't, you don't realize it until you're teaching your child, and you're like, how did I ever learn to tie my shoes, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, we did the bunny ears thing, and it finally worked. Yeah, yeah. So I put this video online. I was, my blog was new, and I was like, hey, let's just put this online. Maybe it'll help a couple people, you know. And it ended up getting, you know, pinned on Pinterest a whole bunch of times, and it just kept going and going and going. I was looking at my analytics, and I kept seeing this huge spike in numbers, you know, daily traffic of, like, 9,000 visitors a day, which – Holy crap. You got – I mean, for me then, it was like I was just jumping up and down if I got 20 people to visit my site. So <laughs> – that was like, wow, okay, I, I really started to respect social media and what it could do. Um, and that post has really kind of gotten me the audience that I have today. And so my initial audience of what I thought would be maybe, you know, entrepreneurs looking to save time and learn about the latest, you know, productivity hacks turned into be, you know, um, stay-at-home moms because these are the ones that are looking at my site, finding these, you know, children shoe tying techniques and things like that. Right. And so that's opened up a lot of different doors as far as, you know, I really realized how to create content and the solving a pain point was huge for me because I realized, because I kind of broke it down, why did this thing kind of go, you know, quote viral? And it was it was a number of things. It was shareable content and the fact that it was helpful for people. And a lot of people had this as a, a pain, was teaching their kids to tie shoes. And not to mention this little magic fingers technique. It's an unbelievable little technique when you see it. It's hard to believe that you could tie your shoes this quick and simply. So right. <laughs> I think it had that wow factor too. So, you know, when I was, um, when I was looking at your site, I don't know, months ago, when um, back in September, <laughs> right after we first met. Yeah. And, well, when we connected on Instagram, I looked at it and I'm like, this is an interesting site. I like this. This is cool. And in hearing some of the other interviews you've, you've been on, this was no just small post. When you say it went viral, I mean, you've had, what, 300,000-plus views yeah, on this? It's, yeah. <laughs> I think today it's it's somewhere, um, yeah, about 300,000 pins on Pinterest or something crazy like that. So, And this is it's one of those things where it's like, I, this post is like a, over a year old, and it still continues to bring in thousands of visitors every single day. So, oh yeah, that's when I also kind of realized that the uh, you know the whole residual uh, opportunity was the work that you put in maybe now can be paying off for you know a year, two years, and who knows how long down the road. Right now, so. I, I noticed something interesting on your website as I was just going through it. You don't put dates on your post. I don't. Um, and a lot of it was kind of for that reason. I wanted people to feel that a lot of the content I create, I try to, with that in mind, think about what's going to be relevant no matter what point in time a visitor comes by. Right. And so um, I want them to feel like, you know, hey, it's it's fresh. It's it's always kind of new. And I go back and update a lot of my older content to make sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just something I kind of did early on, and it just seemed to work. So I think there is more of... Um, uh, dates in my archive pages and things like that right. if people really wanted to narrow down. Yeah, you know, I um, I think that's a, a really good tip to give people is, you know, create evergreen content. It, there's there's no overrating the creation of evergreen content because the, you know, how to teach a six-year-old to tie their shoes in five minutes, I think is the name of the post. Yes. That is something that anyone that has a six-year-old that <laughs> needs to learn how to tie their shoes is going to refer to and it's not going to oh this is from 2008 or 2010 i'm sure there's something newer out there than that when they look at the post in google you don't see that and it it still comes up on the first page of google you're about halfway down the page if you just uh, look up i think it's um how to tie shoes right so it's not just you know how to tie kids shoes it's 
how to tie shoes, you're like on the first page of Google from that. So I can imagine how much traffic is actually driving to your site. Yeah, I mean, that was that was kind of my first experience with, um, I mean, I did put a little time into trying SEO. That was kind of at the time when I was like, all right, let me see this SEO thing. And, you know, what are keywords? And, okay, so it looked like a lot of people were searching about something, you know, shoe tying and things like that. So, mm-hmm. and I wanted to add in a little some flair, which, you know, the five minutes thing, I think adds a little bit of, you know, like, you've got to kind of click it and see like, is this for real? Five minutes, you know? So, but it was true. I mean, it really did take five minutes and there's several keywords I ended up noticing that, you know, because there's so many comments on the page and there's so much engagement and people have shared it and pinned it, you know, I think that all plays into Google's, you know, ultimate formula. And yeah, I think how to tie shoes, it's, it's been creeping up there in Google. Um, how to teach a child to tie shoes was number one in, in the Google first page there for a while. And not only that, but something that not enough people do, and I'm I'm really also excited about this other site that I've that I've started recently. It's it's kind of not officially launched, but there is some content on there um, called Better Blog Images because I get a lot of comments about the images I use on my blog and the design, and that's you know I have a background in that too, so I've I've been able to use that to my advantage. But as I've created an image with with text over the front, and this is kind of a Pinterest tip as well. But that page, you know, that image will show up a lot of times. And people search Google Images much more than I think it's given credit for. Um, and so if your, you know, if your image shows up on that, like, first, you know, above the fold in Google Image Search, too, I've gotten a lot of traffic just from that. Right. Yeah, I have noticed that with images. And, um, of course, you know, in talking to other Pinterest experts like Cynthia Sanchez, her interview is actually going to go live tomorrow or Wednesday. Um, awesome. She was talking about that very thing, which was, you know, putting text over an image. People love text over images. So that is cre- that is crazy. So you have uh, betterblogimages.com. And mm-hmm. t- tell us a little bit about what you're doing with that site. Well, um, that site's going to be more geared towards kind of tutorials and general tips for other bloggers and things just to make you know, whether it's simple graphics, I've always designed my own um, headers and blog post images. And there's, there, I found out I could do so much more just by learning how to use general Photoshop skills without having to touch an ounce of code. So mm-hmm. for all the people out there who don't know code, who don't want to know code, but want to make their site look good, um, there's a whole bunch of little tricks you can do just by using images. And so I'm excited to share a lot of those things. And then also like the strategy tips as far as, you know, Pinterest, you know, how to share, how to create images on Pinterest. And then all the tools I use, all the free, there's so many free tools online now. It's, it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's such a valuable resource everywhere. Um, So it's going to be a mixture of that. Mm -hmm. What's one of the, uh, what's one of the free tools you use for images? I like PicMonkey a lot. There's um, another really cool tool. It's called, um, Oh, let's see here if I can find the name of that. It's got a weird kind of name. Um, it's placeit.breezy.com. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> and what this does, it, it kind of has these um, live environments. So, for instance, you know, it, it'll have a picture of somebody looking like they're working on their laptop. And what you can do is drop us, you know, an image, say, your website, or, you know, a little program here, and it'll pop up your um, website onto the screen image and you can save that image and use it and they're really high quality and they I think they look fantastic I've used those a lot in a lot of my um, you know landing pages and sales pages and they just they look fantastic um, all kinds of little tools like this and I'm always on the hunt for these things it's kind of my <laughs> it's kind of my my geek hobby uh-huh. when I find tools that can help and that use and I just I get so excited about sharing those kind of things so all the graphic type stuff I want to I want to share on that site and then a lot of my strategy of here's what worked, you know, I'll kind of dissect the the shoe tying post and say, here's here's what I did with Pinterest and here's why I think it worked and little things like at the end of the post, I'll I'll put the headline image again at the bottom with a little graphic just right above it that says pin it or I have a little one that says pin it forward. It's amazing the psychological like differences when you read these studies about people who just, they see that reminder at the bottom and it's a very subtle call to action, but they might see that and say, oh yeah, you know, okay, I'll pin that. 
and so I think that's a lot of the reason that I've had such great success on Pinterest and, and things like that too. And it really just takes an extra, you know, an extra two minutes to accomplish these things. Right. You know, I've not heard of that strategy before. So you, you actually stick the image again down at the bottom of your post. Yeah, it depends on the kind of post, you know, for that kind, I definitely would, you know, if you just some sort of a reminder, I always say each kind of each there's different kinds of posts, you know, as you know, and in certain ones, the call to action may be, you know, you're wanting people to sign up for your email list instead or but but the content type pages where they're just shareable content. That's exactly what I'll do. And I'll make sure it's an image with a text over the over the top. Because there's another little thing, I did a study I read about somewhere, and it's this, you know, when, when our eyes are going through images, they have to stop on an image that has text on it. It's like this brain lock, and we, we can't not read text on an image when we see it. And so if you think about you're competing for, you know, the views of these images, and when you see an image that has text on it, you're going to stop and read those. And I did the same thing recently with another post I did last year, and it was <laughs> our family started the whole Elf on the Shelf tradition, you know, for Christmas. Right. And I did a post on that. I, I kind of went out and found, like, some of the top 75, you know, ideas because I was really into the SEO at that point. So I was seeing what are people searching, and everybody wanted Elf on the Shelf ideas. I said, all right, let's round up, you know, a gathering of, like, the top 75 ideas. And so I used... Um, Creative, I think, was the was the key term there. The top seventy-five, you know, creative and clever elf on the shelf ideas, or something like that. Uh-huh. And I created a graphic, same thing, with the text over the top. And I monitored that through Google and Google Images, and it was always um, um, among the top, you know, images, uh, first couple pages. And I swear I've gotten so much traffic just because that one had text over the top. And uh, of course, more people are catching on to this, and you'll see more and more of that these days. But right. That was another post that amazingly did really well um, this year compared to last year. Um, it was, you know, right around Thanksgiving time when everybody was looking for those ideas. It was, again, a post I wrote last year. This year it started picking up around 50,000 views a day. Oh, which my God. brought in a whole nother flood of people to the site. So those kind of, you know, anytime you can create posts, I always tell people anytime you create posts around any type of holiday or tradition or anything that's going to come around every year, just like school year with the kids tying their shoes, every time the school year is getting ready to start, a lot of parents don't want their kids going to school without knowing how to tie their shoes. Right. And that post, sure enough, will do good every single time that, that time of year. So. Oh, that is crazy. Little tips like that. They make a big difference. Nice. So now what do you do? You've mentioned a couple times um, when you're looking at posts and things to create that uh, you've done key- keyword research, are you just using the Google tool or do you have a favorite that you use for keyword research? Uh, I've played around a little bit with like Market Samurai and things like that. Um, but for the most part, I just use, yeah, Google's uh, keyword, pl- I think it's Keyword Planner now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I've ever really done. I'll just, you know, look for the basic terms that have, you know, high search results and low competition and seeing if I can work something in around that. Nice. So now, but I really, honestly, I got to, I, I really haven't done that much of the keyword research. Uh-huh. Uh, I probably could do a lot more, but I've always just tried to create content around what I think people, you know, either struggle with or would like or those kind of stuff. And it served me really well so far. Right. So finding the pain point and trying to fix that. Problem. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, uh, I was looking at a post on your site about the the secret to uh, a simple a simple secret to making people instantly feel good about you. And the image, you know, I have to I have to say that when you were telling me about the you know text over images and you you can't not read it. You're right. You can't not not read this, and you actually have right. to read the whole thing. I'm like, oh look, a simple conversion secret. Although I just read the title and I'm like, oh, to making people oh look at that. <laughs> and I'm just, you know, I'm going through it and I'm like, wow, that is, that is interesting. And as I, you know, continue to go through the site, I see more and more of that. And that is, um, like the 10 warning from a car, uh, former car thief. I'm like, Whoa, what is that? Uh-huh. And so, you know, right. I'm going yeah, through this post and looking at it and now that, that is brilliant. Now, did you pick that up from, um, from Pinterest or you just picked that up? 
Um, you know, I heard it somewhere. I've kind of, I'm terrible with remembering where, cause I, especially in the beginning, I was devouring so many things from everywhere. I'm the, I'm the guy that would have like 20 tabs open uh-huh. on my browser, you know, cause I don't want to close. I'm like, Oh, there was something I wanted to do with this one and this one. So I read that somewhere and I really like the, the, you know, the studies that involve the psychology of why people click on certain things. And so I'm really big into all those. I don't write about those that often, but I really enjoy, you know, reading those and, searching those out. I love Derek Halpern and social triggers, you know, for that reason. Right. And it may have even been from him. I, I can't remember, but yeah, there's lots of studies done on that, that as far as the text and a lot of people that, yeah, for Pinterest strategy, I mean, that's huge. And you look at why Pinterest works today, you know, and it kind of views that a little bit with common sense. If you can just kind of bring a lot of what works from Pinterest, just bring it over to the blog side. It makes, it makes perfect sense. No, no, you're absolutely right. So, You've um, you've been working on creating products and, and getting something together that you can actually offer to bring in additional revenue other than ad revenue. And I remember talking yes. to you at the uh, Financial Bloggers Conference that you were using, I believe it was Scrivener to you know write and do stuff like that. What's your what what is it the product that you offer? Well, yeah, Scrivener has been like a heaven sent for me. I'm kind of. Uh you know, an organizational freak by nature too. So I've got to have everything organized. And I've, like I said, I've got 20 tabs open all the time. So I'm collecting a lot of information. I'm writing a lot of information. And Scrivener was a product that I found early on that just helped me to organize all that and write everything in one spot. And um, this was kind of my first venture at really nailing down a major pain point for people because I was always interested in Scrivener. So I kept up on um, you know, reading articles about it and things like that. And everywhere I went, I would read, here's another tip I would offer for people generating content is to read through the comments on blog posts. I found more pain points and things like that. If you just read the comments. And I think a lot of people skip that part, you know, unless they think, unless I'm going to put a comment or join in, but there's a wealth of information in the comment section on blogs. That's where people will really open up. And it started for me with a, a post that Michael Hyatt wrote on Scrivener. He was, I think it's five reasons he switched to Scrivener for all of his writing. Uh-huh. And I follow Michael Hyatt and I respect a lot of his opinions and his workflows and you know productivity tips that he always does. And I was like, oh, cool, Michael Hyatt uses Scrivener. And so I read through his comments, you know, was reading and a lot of people kind of echoed the same thing is, you know, there was this big, huge fan base of people that use Scrivener and they just swear by it mainly for writers. It was developed for writers. And so, I mean, there's a whole clan of, you know, authors and uh, people who self-publish and things like that who just swear by Scrivener. And um, Michael Hyatt was starting to say that he switched for a lot of these reasons too. And But everybody complained about the learning curve on the product. And it was quite a bit of a learning curve. I admit it wasn't very intuitive at first when you open up the program. Most people are used to like Microsoft Word. Um, and so when you open this up and you see all these little tools and different windows and, you know, they have a, a they have an interactive tutorial, which is great. But um, so I, the next thing I did was I kind of searched YouTube. Let's, let's see, you know, what can we learn on YouTube? And there was there's some decent um, tutorials on there, but nothing that really uh, jumps out at you or kind of takes you step by step. So, right. By this time, I'd been blogging for a while and I was really looking for, you know, uh, pain points to fill. And I. It just kind of hit me, you know, I was like, well, why can't, you know, why can't you create this, you know, site around tutorials to help people learn what you've learned with Scrivener, you know, and then some. So, um, yeah, I just kind of caught fire with that and began researching ways to put together um, like a, a course online, you know, kind of half half membership site, half course. Mm-hmm. Not a, I wanted to be more of just a one-time, you know, one-time fee instead of a recurring monthly fee and where a course where they could, they could sign up and see, you know, step-by-step videos on how to learn this program easily and quickly and kind of more entertaining, you know, because we're, we're in a culture where everything's going, you know, visual, right? It's YouTube and people's attention span is less and less. I don't know about you, but like I'm, I have trouble reading an article from, from yeah. front to finish now. It's like, it's crazy. So in YouTube, they say if your video is over two minutes, you've lost people. And so I, I wanted to put all these ideas into one product. So I said, I'll let, let me just break this, this product down into short bite-sized chunks to where people can, you know, watch, watch them in modules and they can 
click a button that says, you know, they completed this so they can, you know, make progress and work at their own pace and learn the program quickly. Mm -hmm. So uh, I began putting together this site and started getting, you know, early um, beta users and seeing if it was helpful and reaching out to people on Twitter. And the feedback was just amazing. Everybody was raving about it. They were loving how easy the videos were. They liked the short bite-sized chunks. Everybody, you know, they were learning Scrivener quicker. And um, so I'm, I'm super excited to say I'm, I've done a soft launch up to this point, but I'm getting ready to, as the start of the new year, um, do an official launch, um, getting ready to put together a couple um, webinars. Uh-huh. Um, Andy Traub and I uh, for the self-publishing system are getting ready to do a webinar together. And oh, wow. we've got some really cool um, training we're going to do helping people, you know, that are bloggers and how they can use Scrivener. And all kinds of cool things going on. Um, and actually uh, got got to work with Michael Hyatt a little bit um, on a workflow that, that he uh, asked me about as far as Scrivener goes. So that was really cool because he was kind of the guy that, that started me on this whole mission. And so he's since gone, gone through the course as well and has really liked what's in there. And there's just so many cool things ahead of that. That's kind of my passion at the moment because it really is just filling that big pain point for people. Right. Now, do you mind if we say the name of the site or do you want to announce it here? Oh, sure. No, yeah. It's um, ScrivenerCoach.com. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to – I kind of wanted to think of something that was a little bit catchy but yet really specified the role I was playing in. And I really just wanted to help people through – learning curve um, and to show all the cool things that people could do with it because I you know I was using it primarily for blogging most people think it's just a writer's tool but you know if you're blogging you've got a lot of content to manage and especially those who are blogging and doing podcasts and you know you've got keywords and you've got posts everywhere and exactly it's just an amazing tool to keep it all in one spot and not to mention the you know the tools that allow you to do um, self-publishing and spit things out into you know the Kindle format, iBooks format, everything with the click of a couple buttons. So I think that's only on the rise too as we go into the future of self-publishing. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so that's that's kind of been um, thing I've been working on the last eight or nine months. <laughs> so oh, I'm wow. really excited to get that going. At first, I thought I was going to have it done in a month. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Talk about realistic expectations. Oh, yeah. No, that's crazy. So what you've basically done is you identified a product that's already out there. And this is something that I've, I've tried to share with people from time to time. You don't necessarily have to go out and create your own product from the start. You can be an expert on something that is already existing that mm-hmm. is popular, that a lot of people use, but they have a particular pain point in using. Absolutely. Yeah, if you can bridge that gap for them, show them how to use something a little bit better. Um, I really like the model that, you know, Brett Kelly used with the Evernote Essentials book. Right. And I kind of modeled it somewhat after that because I always found that to be super helpful. You know, and there he is, you know, he didn't create Evernote, but he knew how to use Evernote really well. And a lot of people didn't. And it was kind of the same thing with Scrivener was that, you know, a lot of people... Um, they have Scrivener already, or they've heard about, you know, how great it is. They should get it, but they don't really know how to use it or what to use it for. And if you can bridge that gap and save somebody the time and energy of that, that learning curve and get them started quick. And, and I always like to tell people too, like there's that, there's a cost associated with what you don't know. And that's what I tell a lot of people that are getting into Scrivener is you don't know what you don't know. (laughs) <laughs> until I show you. And once you see, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I, you know, I know this now so that I can produce this and this and this at twice the speed. But it's really about that pain point. And I don't think I realized how big that pain point was until I really got started. Um, and that's that's just really satisfying for me to be able to bridge that gap and to help people through that. Very interesting. So you actually got Michael Hyatt to go through your course and help you with it. That is... That's insane. <laughs> well, and that just happened by, you know, it was, it's funny because, of course, you know, I reached out to Michael at first after I kind of built my first version of the course and said, hey, you know, take a look at this. And, um, but, you know, I can only imagine how busy he is. <laughs> so I think I was just one in probably a thousand emails that it got lost that day or whatnot. And, but when you're interacting with people on Twitter and you're generally just trying to help people wherever you can. So, I have, uh, you know, my Twitter handle for the Scrivener Coach is at Scrivener Coach. And 
I follow the hashtag of Scrivener, and anytime people are mentioning or you know talking about Scrivener, and it's really the only marketing I've done of the product so far, and uh, other than you know word of mouth and the podcasts I've been on. But um, just when people have problems or issues with it, I'll jump in there and see if I can help. And that's kind of how Michael and I started chatting. Was he had a um, a question about a ebook workflow? And just said, hey, take a look at this a question I had, you know, posted on the, the site's um, help forum. And do you have any suggestions for my workflow? And, of course, you know, I did. I did some research and I was like, oh, I, I have, there's awesome things you can do with this workflow. So I spent some time putting together a nice little workflow for them. And then, you know, that gave me the opportunity to share the course with them. And one thing leads to another. So Very sweet. So it's now, amazing how things connect. Now, did you get a testimonial from Michael Hyatt? Um, he sent out a few um, very generous tweets, um, nice. which he's allowed me to use. And we're actually working on um, a couple of different workflows together right now. And um, I don't, I probably shouldn't say yet because nothing's official, but we have a few things, you know, in the works and some exciting things coming up. But oh, very cool. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. And not only that, but I've also gotten to talk with, um, Brett Kelly, who did the Evernote Essentials, which was really cool because uh, he's the kind of guy, like I said, I modeled my kind of product after. And so recently him and I have gotten together and I was able to interview him on how he uses Evernote and Scrivener together, which oh, is nice. kind of like the ultimate efficiency package, you know, because he used Scrivener to write his latest version of Evernote Essentials. So we do kind of a chat, which is, you know, it's going to be in the course of how people can use Evernote and Scrivener and bring them together and create this ultimate workflow. So some really cool things there. Very cool. Very cool. So when you went to put together your course, um, I was talking to Cynthia Sanchez about this, and she had just released huh? a course for, for Pinteresting. And I've been working on putting together a course on doing some networking skills and coaching and LinkedIn and all the stuff that I, that I do, mm -hmm. there are a ton of courseware things out there. How did you decide on the, the delivery method? And what did you, what did you look at? What were your, like your top two? And then what made your decision on going with what you went with? Yeah, I really wanted something that was uh, easy to navigate, that didn't feel overwhelming, because that was the whole goal behind me putting together this course for Scrivener was that it was going to take something complex and break it down, you know, into really manageable chunks. So I wanted something easy to work with. I found a plugin called WP Courseware, which kind of handles all the uh, the modules and the units for my courses, and I. I love it. It's like it's one of my favorite tools that I've stumbled across so far. It basically allows you to write a blog post like we're all used to. Mm -hmm. And with a click of a couple of buttons, turn it into a unit, like a course unit. And it literally gives you this interface where you can just drag and drop, you know, okay, I want this unit in module one. And then I'll create this one in module two. And you can drag and drop your way around. And it really creates this nice pretty little layout and a cool thing about it is like when you're gives you this button like after you've completed this this course unit you know whether you put your text in there or video or screenshots or whatever and at the bottom there's a little button that says you know I've completed this unit and users click that and it marks their progress so they can log out and come back in and they can see exactly what they've done and what they have left to do Oh, nice. So it's really cool and super simple. There's a couple other course-type plugins out there. Mm -hmm. uh, and, of course, I did some research and read some other, you know, opinions and reviews. That's the only one I've used personally. But I love it so much that I have no reason to, to switch, and it's really affordable. I think it's only like a – I think it goes by, by site. But a single-site license, I think, is only 50 or 60 bucks. Yeah, I think it's which, like $67, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's well worth it. The ease of use is well worth it. Right. Uh, did you ever research Udemy? Did you look at Udemy? Um, I have, yeah. I've actually thought about um, putting a small course up on there. They they changed their structure recently, I think, a little bit about, you know, you get a certain percentage of the people that you drive to their site and then uh, another percentage of, you know, the visitors that sign up uh, from their marketing efforts. So, but they have a great they have a great model as well, and I've been working with a couple people on putting together some different types of training up on up on there. So, but I really wanted something that I could just kind of have complete control over, and 
um, it's basically I've created the site just around a regular WordPress theme, mm-hmm. uh, and then added added my images for my you know module buttons, and use that plugin, and then I use Premise for my membership protection. Oh really? Is, yeah. It just protects the pages there. Uh-huh. And then um, I've used Optimize Press 2.0 for my sales page and a couple other bonus pages. So I've kind of a mixture of tools. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a tool junkie right? when it comes to that. But I would say the, the WP Courseware has made it a cinch to do the course. And then I just created videos because um, I really wanted the walkthrough aspect of it. Uh-huh. Sort of like, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with lynda.com. Yes, I am. Yeah, you can learn all kinds of stuff. I've taken a few things on there and, um, you know, freshened up on some more advanced Photoshop skills and things like that. And I, I kind of wanted that layout, really, was just to do short little chunks and watch me walk you through exactly how to do it. And so that's what I've done. There's probably about 100 vis- videos or so of me just walking you through. And then I'll put the video there. And then I actually went through and took screenshots with a tool um, called Snagit. Yeah. And... I would just screen capture every step of the way of whatever I was doing, and I would put the screenshots below there. So whether people had time to watch a video or say they were just working on their project and they couldn't remember how to do stuff, they could simply, you know, check back at the course and just look through the steps again, which that's kind of what I would have wanted when I was going through. And that's kind of how I try to create things of let me just create something that I would want. And it happens to turn. It's funny because we're all not that different as far as our needs. That's what I've realized. It's like if you have a pain, then chances are other people have probably had that same pain. Right. Now that's that's amazing. So when you when you start talking about um, you know cr- creating courses and delivering a service or delivering a product, whether it's an information product or a real product, whatever you're doing, one of the biggest things that I've run into personally and that I've seen other people have problems with is actually selling that product or marketing that product and how do you how do you go from I've got this really neat thing to I have this neat thing that I want to offer and the 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 pain that comes from not knowing how to do that how do how do you how did you deal with that yeah that's that's huge cuz yeah I spent I spent 8 months creating this course which for me was the easy part. I mean, I actually enjoy that part. Now, when it comes to marketing, that's like a whole other beast. It was like, okay, I've got this great thing and nobody sees it. So how do I get this in front of them? And a couple of things that that really helped me was finding out where your target audience is. So for instance, a lot of the people using Scrivener, um, I found a lot of them are on Twitter. A lot of people, a lot of authors, a lot of people that follow authors, it's a huge Twitter community. So that was my, you know, that's my first place that I've been, is just interacting with people on Twitter. Uh, and secondly is when people, you know, have a question of how to do something, what do a lot of people do? They go to YouTube now. So I'm getting ready to launch a YouTube channel that's going to offer just lots of, you know, really helpful tips and, and tricks with Scrivener. And it's all going to be linked back to uh, a free video series, which I'm just getting ready to produce also. It's, it's all up. I'm just getting all the fine tuning together, which is kind of the top rated, you know, things with Scrivener that everybody wants to know how to do. Cause they always say, you know, give, give your best content up front for free. And so I've taken everything that people always ask about. They always want to know how to do, and they're most amazed when they see that they can do it. Uh, and I put these into a free video training series that's getting ready to go live. And so I'm finding out where the audience is first interacting with them and just giving them as much help as I can. You know, I'll offer free, free advice. Or if somebody has a, you know, a question on, I think recently somebody just asked, you know, how do I, how do I know how to, you know, do a certain setting in Scrivener? Well, I'll go in Scrivener. I'll take a screenshot of me showing them exactly where that setting is and reply to them. It doesn't take that much time, but they never forget it. And it's amazing how many people will tweet that out or, you know, check you out just because of that help. Uh, because it's rare these days to get, it, you know, that one-on-one attention. So I like interacting with people that way. And so I look at it as lots of little branches all kind of leading back to this uh, major ultimate resource of the course. But in the meantime, just getting out there and being helpful wherever I can. Right. No, that is huge. 
that's created a lot of a lot of buzz and a lot of people, you know, checking me out. And then the people that have have gone through the course, um, I think you know when it's a good product when they willingly, you know, share and spread the word for you. Exactly. So that's no, been a that's, huge help. That is huge. So we've we've talked a lot about you know business and online this and that and all that good stuff. You're a dad and you're a yes. husband. <laughs> and yes. as as we found out at the beginning of the episode, you've got a baby on the way. Correct. How, how do you create the whole work life balance business thing? <laughs> it's tough. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's a tough one. Um, Something I struggled with big time in the beginning as well was trying to find that balance because, you know, at, at first you just want to dive in and spend, you know, every waking moment working on your passion or your project. But, you know, we can't really do that when we have other responsibilities. So for me, it was really kind of developing a schedule. Um, my wife and I had to talk about it, you know, and figure out, OK, what what's going to work best? And, you know, we've come to a, a great plan right now. It kind of works out. I'm I'm not really an early riser. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, that used to kind of hold me back. Like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not an early riser. But it turns out that's really the only time I have to get a lot done. So whether it's waking up at 5.30 a.m., you know, a couple hours before the family gets up to get that, you know, that work done or videos recorded, um, you just finding it, finding those times where you can squeeze in. It's, there's that quote, I'm not sure who said it, that, uh, let's see, how did that go? It's, it's, uh. If, if you really want it, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of how I look at it. It's it's amazing how many things we can sort of fill our time with that are just kind of procrastination techniques. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you want it, you'll find ways to squeeze in. You know, you might have to cut down your TV time, or uh, you might have to stay up later, lose a little bit of sleep. Or I've um, I still work at a day job, so I use a lot of my lunch breaks for work time. Oh yeah, uh, trust I've done that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I've gone so far as to, I'll take my laptop and my little microphone and I've gone in my car and recorded videos for the Scrivener course. I mean, it's just wherever and whenever you can get it in is my motto. Oh, yeah, very early on. I, I, I've i done plenty of videos <laughs> on my drive to work. You know, if I had a thought, I'm like, you know what, this needs to be a blog post. I'm not going to have time to write the blog post. I just I'll, I'll record a video. Yep. in the car with this horrible <laughs> audio and road noise. I even went so far, I have a uh, an attachment for my flip cam that sticks to the windshield. Oh, okay, nice. So, so I can just stick the flip up there, hit record. I haven't done those in a while, but people will be familiar with uh, my car time videos. They're bad. So I, I stopped doing them because it's like, I don't know, I, I like audio and I like good audio and I just hated the audio in those videos, but... I don't know if you guys want me to start back doing or maybe you'll have to say something, but I, I totally understand doing the, the stuff before, you know, the family gets up after they go to sleep. Yeah. You know, getting three or four hours of sleep or sometimes two, depending on what you're working on. And yeah, you'll, you'll actually, it's, have it's a, tough. Uh, I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> but there's always those moments and it's amazing how little, little things add up over time. You know, I, I get frustrated sometimes and I'm like, you know, I really needed, you know, a good three or four hours to work on this. But it's like, you know what? Hey, if all you have is 30 minutes, then it's it's 30 minutes worth of work you got done that you didn't have before. So exactly. So, you know, uh, quick question. How do you um, well, you know, I don't really want to ask you a, a how to question. It's more of when you're when you're trying to do the whole work life balance thing mm-hmm. and you've got your day job. And I actually, I presented this question to Andrew Warner and we kind of went back and forth on it a little bit, but when you have your day job and that's not necessarily your passion and you know, once you find your passion, it doesn't go away. <laughs> you can try to push it down, but how do you, how do you find the, the drive to not just quit the day thing and then go and do this full time because you see the potential and the amount of income that you can produce from it? Um, I find that drive from my wife who won't let me quit. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. I mean, yeah, because the second you get that bug and you, you see the potential, you can't help but go there and just think, gosh, you know, if I could just, what if I could put in 40 hours doing this, you know, that's, that's what I would love to do. Um, try to be smart about it and put a plan in place. You know, it's like, okay, let's, let's replace the income first. And if we can do that steadily for six months to a year, then we'll consider, you know, uh, 
you know, consistent growth here. And so I've got some goals and things lined up that places I want to be to where I'll know when that time comes, Mm -hmm. when I can seriously consider it. Um, But it's definitely difficult when you've got a passion and you just you would love to spend your whole day on it. You know, it's (laughs) and you're somewhere else thinking about something else. and It's hard to focus and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's important to just kind of put a plan in place and have some goals to shoot for. That way, you know, you know that it's it's not a it's not a permanent thing. You kind of see light at the end of the tunnel. And for me, it's incredible drive. It's incredible um, motivation for me. You know, those days when I'm just not feeling it, which happens to all of us, you know, creative juices are just running low. Um, It's easy for me to look at where I am and say, you know, I want to be home with my family next year. You know, I want to be able to work from home. And it's like, okay, you don't have time to be, oh, I'm just not feeling it today. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, if you want to get out of it, then you got to do something. And that, for me, that's motivation. So I try to use that to my advantage. So when you're um, when you're when you're doing your your side thing, I know income plays a lot into a lot of this whole thing that people are doing with their online businesses, and they want to consult and they want to coach. And you know, for for guys like us, I still do the day job thing. You still do the day job thing. People want to know, you know, like what what how, what kind of income do you actually bring in from your online stuff? You know, you have EfficientLifeSkills.com. You've got Scrivener Coach that's going to be launching in January. So that'll be a whole nother thing. What kind Mm -hmm. of, like, ad revenue do you produce that actually counts towards your goal? Because I don't don't get a lot in ad revenue. I do some affiliate stuff, and I get, get, you know, a few hundred dollars here or there from affiliate programs. That What would you recommend as far as a plan on building affiliate, slash ad revenue and still have a a blog that's not overrun with stuff because I, I like the flow of your blog and how it's not add here add there you know click here click there do this do that you get the information that you're trying to deliver and nicely placed are ads that are relevant mm-hmm. so what do, what do you recommend and what kind of income do you produce from that yeah, that's a that's a really tough balance to come by. And I've I played with that quite a bit. It's like yeah, you you don't want to you don't want to discount your your content, you know, and kind of muck up your site with all these, you know, ugly ads and things like that. So, I mean, what I've tried to do is just take the real estate on my ad. For instance, you'll see a nice, you know, big, you know, 350 by 350 ad mm-hmm. above the fold on my site and it's but it's well placed and it's, you know, yeah, the ads are somewhat relevant and things like that, but it's not too much in your face. Um, a little trick I learned early on um, with AdSense, which is the primary way I make money with efficient life skills, is um, I put really, they're not in your face at all, but ads that almost look like text within my blog posts. Um, that was a little trick I picked up from somewhere that, you know, it was like our eyes are trained to ignore ads for the most part when we're reading content. Mm-hmm. And so with AdSense, we have the ability to manipulate the way the ad looks somewhat. So you, it's in your favor to make it look more like your site's layout anyways. So, you know, you don't want a big red link if the links on your site are blue, right. for instance. You know, it's it, little things like that, but they really do make a huge difference in, in click-through rates and with the traffic that I get on my site, especially around the holidays, you know, with the Elf on the Shelf or when kids are going back to school or things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last couple of months have been great because of the traffic and the ad clicks are directly proportionate to the amount of traffic. So with Efficient Life Skills, my main, uh, you know, that's my main revenue source there. And for the last couple of months, it's, it's been, you know, between the 1,000 to 1,500 mark just in ad clits. But that's a lot of traffic. And that traffic doesn't stay year-round because, you know, holidays are, are big-time spikes and things like that. Right. Um, but those little tweaks, uh, the tweak of, of putting a link-colored text ad inside my blog posts has really made a huge difference. I know think people usually think that needing to put a big image ad or something in there. Mm-hmm. But our eyes are, are trained to ignore those. You know, it's that we just see them and scroll past it and say, oh, that's an ad. Right. And, you know, as much as we don't want people clicking away from our site and on ads, um, it, is a, it is a legitimate model for a lot of people. I don't really sell a lot of products on Efficient Life Skills. It's more of just a traffic and, and helpful site. And mainly it was a site for me to start 
uh, just to start with. It's kind of a site that I experiment with. You know, I wanted to learn about the online space. I wanted to learn how to blog and do all these things. And it's evolved into a really helpful site. And when I started it, I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know if it was something I was even going to keep. You know, like I said in the beginning, I looked at it like an experiment. And I still kind of do. You know, I just experiment with things. Right. Yeah, I've got so many other things I want to ask just based off that answer. Like I, I, when I was on your site earlier, I noticed I'm going to a New Media Expo mm-hmm. in January. Are you going to that? I cannot cut that one. I wanted oh. to so bad. I'm so disappointed. Yeah, I was hoping we could hang out. I know. <laughs> next year for sure. Okay. Well, I'm I'm definitely probably going to go next year too. So, <laughs> but when I, you know, when I, when I booked my hotel, I, I stayed at the conference hotel, the Rio. I noticed mm-hmm. I was scrolling through a text. I'm like, oh look at that, a retargeting ad for <laughs> the Rio. Mm. Uh huh. So, are you using retargeting? I have not used retargeting yet. It's something I want to look into for uh, the Scrivener Coach. Mm-hmm. site when I'm, you know, down that road. I'm, I'm still practicing my just-in-time learning, right. so I haven't got to learn that part yet, <laughs> but I see those ads follow me all over the place, too, and, uh-huh. you know, I hear they're really effective I've, from other people that I know who have used them, and I think it's a, a really neat strategy. I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing technology. Right. I'll, I'll put a little bit about retargeting in the, uh, in the show notes, because it, it's a very deep subject, and I think you can have an entire hour just dedicated to the strategy behind it. I think Jamie Tardy may have done a, uh, a podcast on ad retargeting. It was either her or Amy Porterfield. It was mm-hmm. one, one of the two of those ladies did a podcast on retargeting. I'll find out and link it in the show notes. If it's Jamie, you may want to reach out to her. She, I'm sure she'd be happy to help you with that. Yeah, definitely. It definitely will. I know David Simon Garland has used it, too, for his Create Awesome Online courses. Because uh-huh. I see, you know, I have I follow him and I've looked at his course and I see that ad follow me everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's effective. I'm always looking at Uncle Dave's face, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> Uncle David. <laughs> That's funny. Well, cool. We are coming up on an hour and I got probably another hour worth of stuff I wanted to talk about. But we, we try to keep it to an hour here. So I wanted to wrap it up. Is there like one killer awesome tip that you would recommend for blogs that are already out there to drive more traffic to their websites? Drive more traffic? Um, you know, I really, I know I say this a lot, but I really stick with the the pain point, you know, is finding that, that struggle that people have. If you could solve some sort of problem for them, or if you can just relate to them, even, you know, depending on the kind of site you have, whether it's, I mean, it might be an emotional problem they have. It might be just somebody understanding the way they feel. Or I know I've read blog posts. It's like, wow, like, dude, you've been reading my mail. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really just relating to people, I think. Right. And when people have a problem that you can solve, they feel like you can relate to them. So I think that's huge. And again, my, my biggest tip for finding that kind of content is to read about a subject you know and then start reading other blog posts and read the comments read what people are saying because a lot of times they express their frustrations in the comments and that's that's great material right there now that's huge well i'll tell you what joseph i really do appreciate you coming on the social strategy podcast this has been fun and i wish we could have done it over drinks (laughs) but i'll have you back on it'll it'll be next time if you're if you're open to coming back on Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime. All right. Well, cool. I do appreciate it. And uh, guys, definitely check out Joseph Michael. How can we find you online? Uh, You can find me at EfficientLifeSkills.com. And I'm also on Twitter at EfficientJoe or at Scrivener Coach. Those are probably the two easiest ways to get a hold of me. Okay, cool. Well, hey, thanks so much. And I do appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay, that was an awesome interview with Joseph Michael. I really did enjoy that, and we learned so much stuff. We learned about finding the pain point. So if you get one thing out of this entire interview, if you want to find or if you want to create a product online, find the pain point. Find the thing that is bothering people, the thing that people are having difficulty doing, and solve for that problem. So solve for X. You know, I mean, you never thought algebra was going to mean anything to you after high school, right? Well, solve for the problem. It's that simple. I've been guilty of it myself. You know, you you come up with this stuff and you think, oh, man, this is the best thing ever. And then it turns out that nobody wants it or nobody reads it. And it's because you basically wrote something or did something that only you thought was interesting. You didn't really do any 
market research, or you thought you did market research, but you, you really didn't find anybody talking about the issue that you're having. So if you're if you're thinking about doing something, you're doing your own information product, you're doing a, a physical product, see if people are talking about it and if your product fulfills a need that someone is having pain with. And that is one of the biggest lessons you can take away from this. He created a video on how to teach a six-year-old to tie their shoes in five minutes. And that's exactly what it did. It taught a six-year-old to tie their shoes in five minutes. You guys should check out the video. It is really popular on YouTube, and it drives a ton of traffic to his site. It is literally that simple. Do it well. You can't just throw anything out there. I mean, his video is well done. The blog post is well done. And it got him a ton of traffic and interest. He's been out on entrepreneuronfire.com. You can find that site. That's John Lee Dumas, my buddy at eofire.com. You can also um, look up one of his interviews on um, Oso Pinteresting, the Oso Pinteresting podcast with Cynthia Sanchez. She was on the show a couple shows back. We all kind of met each other and run in the same circles. So I really did enjoy talking to Joseph Michael. We're going to catch lunch sometime because we're, you know, actually very close to each other here in St. Louis. But definitely check out his site, betterblogimages.com. That is another site that we talked about where he solved for another pain point of getting better images for a blog post. You can also check him out on ScrivenerCoach.com and EfficientLifeSkills.com. You can also find him at Efficient Joe on the Twitters and on Instagram. And with that, guys, going to get out of here. But definitely make sure to check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. We do really appreciate all of the kind words and the followers and everything else. And the reviews are really important to the show. It helps us get good guests. The more reviews we have, the better we rank, the higher the show is, the more people that listen, and the better interviews we get. So I am looking to get some really, really notable people on here. Got some surprises coming up for you. Got some big names coming up, at least in social media and the, the circles that I run in. Some pretty impressive guests with a lot of knowledge, and I hope that you guys are really learning a lot from the podcast. So definitely let me know. Tweet me at Ross PR on Twitter. Let me know what you think. And make suggestions for the show. Recommend guests. I'm always open to interviewing just about anybody that has an interesting story or an interesting background. That very well may be you. So definitely let me know. And I will see you guys in the next episode.